The Tumblers Willy Podcast, Episode 10, Back to the Land, The David Hunch Story, Part 2. Hello there, I'm Andy Bobrow, American television writer. I'm Andy Stanton, British children's author, and you're listening to the only, well, as far as we know, Mm. the only show dedicated to examining the longest-running drama series in the world, Tumblr's Willy. Right. It's amazing. You you would think that the airwaves would be full to bursting with Tumblr's Willy analysis, but... Well, okay, we're number one in the field of one, I guess. (laughs) I guess we are. And uh, speaking of fields, uh, this week's episode is all about fields. Indeed. If you remember, we were talking last time about the show's new director. Right, right, whom uh, the BBC had actually picked at random uh, by... uh, Yeah, 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 by sticking a pin in a map, uh, blowing uh up the map, sticking another pin in that map, and so on, until finally it resulted in a BBC employee walking along an actual street and sticking a pin at random into a passerby's forehead. Right, and that random passerby just happening to be an eight-year-old boy by the name of David Hunch, and uh, yeah, that's how they got him. Yeah, yeah, that's how that happened. Right, so completely random, but uh, this lad, uh, fresh-faced as he was, uh, fortuitously proving himself to be an outstanding choices director. Right, right. Uh, but also, as we were saying last time, very soon becoming possessed of almost, uh, well, almost like a crusader's zeal to take the show off the TV airwaves altogether. A crusader's zeal, right, right. He, he became obsessed with escaping what he called the deadening right angles of the electronic succubus in every household. Mm, yeah, it became a singular mission and Uh, Possibly because of his recent pin injury to the cerebrum. It is possible, but uh, yes, uh, young David Hunch, uh, along with his six-year-old accountant, uh, the redoubtable Simon Feathers. Mm, Tremendous head for numbers, Feathers, yeah. Right, right. Uh, Hunch uh, decides to strip the whole thing back and turn Tumblr's Willy into a travelling roadshow. And yeah, that's where the fields come in. Right, right. So once Hunch makes that decision, once he decides to put the show on wheels, Mm. how does he go about it? How, How does he select which towns and villages to perform at in the first place? Well, you won't be surprised to hear this at all, Andy, but... Uh, <laughs> no. He he, uh, he found some pins, didn't he? Well, even better, Simon Feathers suggested that instead of shelling out for new pins, they just reused the ones that the Beeb had already bought. So, uh, mm, yeah. Feathers yeah. was saving them money left, right and centre. Very savvy, yeah, Feathers was. Yeah, we, we don't need to buy new pins, was Feathers' credo. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to buy new pins. We'll yeah. use the same ones. So, uh, you know, each week they take one of these Verstinkener pins and Hmm. they'd stick it at random into a map of British towns and villages and that's where the next show would take place and you know it didn't cost them a penny to make that choice yeah yeah Feathers was a financial genius So a traveling road show. Let's walk our listeners through the performance itself, because it's, you know, it's just it's part circus. Right. It's part mystery play. You know, there was that nod to Britain's rural past in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part review. Yeah. Part old timey vaudeville. Part passion play. Part circus. Part mystery play. Part review. Part old timey vaudeville. Part circus. Part mystery play. Part circus. Part review. Part circus. Part vaudeville. Part circus. Part circus. Part circus. I mean, the list goes on. 
so they they had like a, a little wooden they had like a covered wagon that they would travel around in a little wooden wagon uh hand painted by gypsies that's right and of course the old nags pulling it along uh, mm, the old nags yeah jiminy and rhubarb the faithful shire horses jiminy and rhubarb trudging into a town and you know no advanced publicity uh, oh right no fanfare uh, typically, one or two farmers might get wind that mm, uh, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that something tumblers this way comes, yes, yes. and uh, you know would probably call to the farmer over the next hedgerow. Oi, mm. Albert! Mm-hmm. They'd say it looks like tumblers be heading our way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and word would quickly spread. I would, you know, if you asked me if it would spread like wildfire, I'd say, well, no, not that fast. Uh, no, not that fast. No, no. But uh, you know, I would say it spread like regular fire. It would like regular, yeah, yeah, just domesticated fire. Yeah, just a like a yeah, an ordinary fire. Hmm. Yeah, but um, you know, from the initial farmer and his friend Albert. Uh, yeah. Typically Albert. Yeah, usually Albert. Uh, to the farmer's wives, uh, colleagues, friends, uh, associates. Lawyers, babysitters. Part circus. Yeah, and then down to the pub. Yep, down to the pub, down to the old tavern uh, where the menfolk sat doing their knitting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, word would, at the speed of a modest controlled fire, it it would get around that, you know, something be happening in them their fields tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, come seven of the clock, yep. uh, typically uh, 100, 200 curious locals gathered in this field, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. watching this quaint little wooden stage, uh, the wagon part behind it. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, bong. Yeah, yeah. Bong. bong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a large bell. A large bell, about the size of itself, typically no bigger than itself. Yeah, yeah, right around that size. Exactly, uh, would be bonged. And then uh, Rashford Foyles, who portrayed Tumblr for the duration of this run. Mm-hmm, the marvellous Rashford Foyles, yeah. Yeah, uh, Foyles would clamber on stage and declaim, Welcome, one and all, it's Tumblr's willy time. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of the cast, you know, they would step up in chorus... It's Tumblr's Willy, Willy time. time. It was such a powerful beginning. And look, people went crazy for it. Oh, yeah. They said things like, this be a good show, Albert. Yeah, they did. They did. That's recorded. That's recorded. People liking things. This was the power that Hunch had hoped to harness. This was the communion of which Hunch spake. So Hunch has instantly got the audience in the palm of his hand. And, and just as they're reeling from that introduction. Yep, that spectacular, no holds barred, four people standing on a stage whammy. Right, just as we're getting over that, we're straight into the next bit, which is a solo spot from Postmistress Millie. What a roller coaster. I mean, isn't it? But yeah, here comes Millie, a real fan favorite from the TV incarnation of the show. Right, right. And uh, who now uh, launches into this soliloquy entitled A Brief Yet Diverting Reflection on Beauty and Moral Attainment. Yes, yes. And the crowd are spellbound. Ah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, as she progresses, of course, uh, she uh, very slowly, uh, elegantly even, uh, just unburdens herself yeah. uh, of her many yeah. petticoats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the postmistress's strides are in due course whipped off Ugh. and... Uh, eventually, there she is. There she stands in nothing but her regulation royal mail cap and a cheeky smile. Yeah, yeah. 
and smeared head to foot with her own menstrual blood. Yes, yes. Because what could be more real? What could be more basic and earthy? It's a triumph. It's a triumph. It's a triumph. And then hot on the heels of that. Oh, boy. <laughs> watch out, folks, because here comes Hoffman, <laughs> the German publican. Yes, Hoffman, indeed, uh, described on the playbill as a furious fellow. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he'd emerge with his bow and arrow, you know, his signature oh bow and arrow, just shooting into the audience. Uh, who has been drinking at my bar but not paying the correct prices yeah, yeah. for the lager? Mm. And, you know, the crowd would be screaming with laughter or fear. They knew not which by this point. Right, uh, right, right. Uh, yeah, oh, you dare to right. come into my tavern behaving in this manner? Run for <laughs> your lives, you shrine! <laughs> and the arrows with, with frightening accuracy would... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a, a real high, a real highlight, you'd have to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yes. You know, Hunch really knew how to build a show. He knew when the audience needed a little light, a little shade. Well, to go from the gate mouth shock mm. of watching Postmistress Millie do her thing, and then all of a sudden you're fleeing for your life and laughing at the same time. These are brand new emotions he's tapping into. Yeah, brand new, but also hearkening back to the past, I think. Yeah, yeah. These are primitive emotions he's tapping into. Absolutely so. But, uh, you know, even the way he uh, chooses to bring Lord Parky out next, Andy, you know, right after Hoffman with the crowd still... Uh, yeah, yeah, just still processing just what happened. Yeah, exactly. And suddenly here we are. It's Lord Parky in his enormous hat for a bit of bumbling and tumbling. Yes. You know, pratfalls. Yeah. The, po the, the perfect comic relief, Andy. Perfect, perfect instincts. I mean, look, they say P.T. Barnum was the greatest showman ever, but Hunch, you know, I think he pales in comparison to little David Hunch. Well, I think Hunch did very much see himself as a Barnum-esque figure, Andy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had started to dress like that, too. He had, he, he, he wore riding pants and a 19th century top coat. Right, right. He ordered an even larger elephant than Barnum's famous jumbo. Oh, he needed to know how big. Yeah, he, how big was that elephant? And then I want one bigger. Yeah, I, I want a slightly bigger elephant than Barnum had. Yeah, and they're scrambling at, at the BBC. You know, they're scrambling to keep him happy. But of course, there is no elephant bigger than jumbo. So they're, they're just going nuts trying to accommodate this. Right. Can we get a couple of elephants and maybe mash them together? You know, will, will that fool him? Well, well, they tried it and well, it wasn't nice. It, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't go as almost immediately after they started mashing them together. They realized mm -hmm. we probably were picturing it differently. You know, we thought that it would work a different way, I guess. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, eventually a solution of sorts was hit upon, which was that the BBC did manage to procure an elephant that was actually exactly the same size as Jumbo, which... Uh, mm -hmm. But then every time Hunch turned to look at it, they'd quickly hold some convex lenses up in front of his face so that it would, yes, uh, you know, the yes, elephant yeah. would seem to bulge out and appear slightly larger, which... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that assuaged him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had also carefully surrounded the elephant with much smaller elephants, you know, baby elephants who they assured him, oh, these are adult elephants, you know, so. Yeah, these are normal size mature elephants, David. And, yeah, yeah. And then trees also, they, they just basically, they, they just did some Hollywood magic on him. Oh, they really did. Uh, the elephant was always to be found mingling amongst pygmies. That was another one of their ploys. Yeah, yeah. They brought in pygmies. Uh, you know, while Hunch feasted his eyes on this scene, uh, BBC Stooges would exclaim, uh, cool, look at those people. They're the tallest in the land. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, 
through a combination of all these things, that's how David Hunch was successfully, over the years, convinced that he owned a slightly larger elephant than had P.T. Barnum. And, oh, the, the elephant never featured in the show itself. We should make that clear. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, Hunch just wanted... Right. He, he just wanted to own the world's largest elephant for his personal use. So following on from Hoffman's archery practice and Lord Parky's frantic antics, as his bit was called, the entire cast reunites on stage for one last very sombre, mm-hmm. very beautiful, what Hunch called a hymn to sobriety. And what a fabulous way to wrap things up, you know, just beautiful finale. So, so somber, so chaste, just a, a very decorous ending, you'd have to say. You would, except that you and I know it's actually no such thing, Andy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, wow, what a sleight of hand. What a sleight of hand, because even as the cast are taking their final bow, there's Hunch in the wings, standing by to judge the perfect moment. And as the audience start to slouch off back to their barns, back to their haylofts, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. single nod to the stagehands from our little impresario, a trapdoor creaks open, mm-hmm. and we hear it. A lone whisper in the darkness. Gentle people of Albion. Yes. The crowd, as one, turn. Yeah, yeah. On stage, a shrouded figure has appeared where before there stood none, Andy. Uh, chills. Chills. And bonfires, bonfires have flared into life, lit by unseen hands. Amazing. All eyes are on the mysterious figure, half glimpsed in the flickering firelight. It is I, says this new arrival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you know who it is, Andy. I know who it is, but uh, <laughs> let... <laughs> it, mm. it, well, it's, it's the magic wizard. It's the magic wizard. Uh, it's the magic wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people had never... People went crazy for this to think, I mean, you know, most of what you would hear from a crowd typically would be, I thought the show was over, mm-hmm. you know, but, but there's still something happening, Albert. I, I don't know what I'm looking at. You know, some people were like, of course, you know, but most of them were like, Ugh, mm-hmm. you know, this is the last thing I expected. Right. And, you know, what a masterstroke, that little pause and then wheeling out this fellow mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. sort of an extra selection, or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a small boy. Or, Look, mummy, it's like finding one last sweetie at the bottom of the bag. Look, one more licorice mummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the magic wizard begins to spin his yarns. Yeah, yeah. And the costume was elaborate, you know. Mm. First of all, it was all made of leaves and bark, all natural materials. Yeah, in accordance with Hunch's wishes. In accordance with Hunch's wishes, yeah. There there were uh, stilts. Yeah. He was quite tall, you know. The costume was about 15 feet tall and mostly legs. Yeah, there were stilts. There were... were... Uh, Prosthetic hands that were just tree branches. Yeah, there were about 90 hands. All perfectly articulated, though, because it was... All told. told. Each one articulated. Articulated, you know, really the mastery of puppet technology that he could control this costume. I mean, Jim Henson, eat your heart out. Oh, my God. Yeah. This yeah. was incredible artistry. Yeah. Yeah. The face was... Uh, well, which one? The main face or, or the subsidiary faces? Oh, yeah. I, I should say, yeah. Uh, the, the main face, which was not... Oh, the main face. Uh, yeah. Which was not the face that the actor was manipulating, actually. Mm. The actor himself it's theorized, was actually controlling the fourth face. That's right. Which was all made of like a sort of a a poultice of leaves and dung. Mm. 
Mm. You have a hair that is, the hair was crafted. It had to be carved out of limestone, so it was quite heavy. That's correct. That's correct. But exquisitely crafted. Oh, exquisitely crafted. Yeah. Every night, a new, a new Every night. limestone hairpiece had to be created anew. By yeah, a, yeah. And thousands of craftsmen were brought into, you know, this is a lost art, this sort of ancient stone carving into hair. That's right. But, you know, it's at this point I should step in and say that if this sounds like there were, you know, there were huge overheads for the tour, well, yes and no, because remember, Andy, mm, mm. they always reuse the same pins to yes. to choose the villages in town. So they were constantly offsetting. Always offsetting. Any costs of labour and materials against the fact right, that, that... That pin savings. Yeah, Simon Feathers. Simon Feathers had saved them a small fortune on the pins. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, you know, I should just make that clear right now. Right. I mean, it was, looking back on it, you could say now that it was a little bit ridiculous how much money the BBC had been spending on pins up until that mm. point. But I mean, it, it made sense. You know, it's like one of those things where it, it's logical until someone says, why are we doing this? And then... Exactly, exactly. You know, the whole world goes, oh yeah, why are we doing it? But, right, until a six-year-old accountant steps in and says, look, the emperor has no clothes on. Yeah, yeah. And the clothes that he's not wearing are made of expensive pins. So as you can imagine, Andy, the Magic Wizard is a fairly arresting sight, to say the least. This is not something that you would typically have encountered up until now. No. I, I mean, there were wizards. Yeah, you might come across a wizard. Oh, from time to time, for sure, certainly. Yeah, but, but, but you would not have seen this 15-foot-tall, <laughs> four-faced, 90-armed creature. Yeah, limestone hair, beautifully crafted hair. Covered with dung and feathers <laughs> and spewing such poetry. No, no. I mean, I think a lot of people would have seen 90 Hands, mm. for instance, at some point, but uh, typically those would have been distributed amongst 45 different people. Right, right. That's how typically you would... So, to yeah, to see them all in one place was a startling, mm. uh, a, well, a wake-up call, really. It was. It was, yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, the magic wizard now begins to spin his yarns, as I've indicated. Uh, spin his yarns, yeah, yeah. And uh, such yarns, uh, yarns speaking of the old ways, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Tales as old as time. Mm, but uh, mm -hmm. really, I think he serves to, I, I think he serves as a kind of uh, a lightening rod for the audience's dreams, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very much so, yeah. Because, mm, mm. well, people saw in him what they were missing in themselves, I think. Yes, I think that's exactly it. I think, you know, when they were looking at this... Uh, yeah, this this monstrosity. This monstrosity, yeah. I think they thought, well, this crystallizes things about my own life. Right, right. Things are much clearer to me about myself now. Mm, and it's mm. at this point that these shows, you know, uh -huh. really start to evolve into the ecstatic religious happenings, mm. you know, that Hunch was always gunning for. They become like a... Yeah, I'd think like... Uh, yeah, pe people start jumping up and uh -huh. throwing themselves onto, you know, at the magic wizard, some impaling themselves on his fingers. Yeah, some running into... Uh, his veils open up and they run through. Uh, yeah. They run between his legs, never to be seen again, we should say. Never to be seen again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The magic wizard starts bellowing jets of digestive enzymes from his many mouths. Yes, right, right. The bonfires are blazing like... Well, we can say at this time <laughs> they're blazing like wildfire. <laughs> You know, uh, people throing off their clothes. It's 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 bacchanalian. It, it speaking in in tongues. It's bacchanalian. Yeah, it's otherworldly. 
Yeah, it's an exciting moment for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Revelations, uh, The Wounded, mm. uh, some of them only recently so by Hoffman, of course, uh, start walking now. Start walking, yeah. People immediately run to the local graveyard where they start mm-hmm. digging up corpses and trying to reanimate them with varying degrees of success. Right. O- optimistic at best, ran the headlines. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The oxen run wild through the fields. The uh, oxen run wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hen turns itself inside out, typically, at many of these shows. Typically, yeah, yeah. There are reports of a duck that grows too large. We don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah, I've read that. Yeah, the, the sizes of animals gets very weird around this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the magic wizard, meanwhile, is striding into the audience. He's flinging. Uh, they borrowed this from, I believe, the Mexican folk tradition. He's uh, flinging candies. The children are bashing him around the head with maypoles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Candies. These, and savory pies are ex- exploding out of him. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. And uh, Tumblr himself, Tumblr himself is now riding on his back, whipping him onwards, crying, we will feed them all. We will sate their every appetite, the pigs. Yeah, and meanwhile, the fires are burning, animals are changing mm-hmm. size, the pygmies are running amok. Yeah, the fires, the pies, the elephants having the time of his life, by the way, uh, backstage. Uh, it's really a celebration, I think. Right, but that's the magic of tumblers, is that, you know, there's something for everyone. You know, it, it, and, and it would go on well into the night. It would go till dawn. Yeah, it would go till dawn, and uh, the sun would rise on a, it was a scene of devastation. Oh, a pile of corpses, typically, and very many casualties. Yeah, yeah, but not mindless devastation, Andy. You know, something had been learnt, one felt. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, yeah. Something had been communicated. So that, in a nutshell, was the roadshow. That was how a typical performance might play out. And it might have continued indefinitely, going from strength to strength, but for this very unfortunate falling out between Hunch and Feathers. Yeah, I I think that's really where it starts to go wrong. Yeah, and look, so much has been written about this moment. But what do you think, Andy? Was it the success? Was it the strain of being on the road together for so long? Certainly all that. Uh, I think puberty played a role. Yes, perhaps so. But look, for whatever reason, it does seem that Simon Feather's attitude towards his boss did start to change over time. Yeah, yeah. I think he's looking at Hunch and thinking, you know, I've been with this guy for like six years now. I'm Mm -hmm. going to be 12 in January. I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. Am I going to be in this guy's shadow forever? Right, right. And then one morning in late 99, uh, Hunch wakes up as the wagon's pulling into another tiny fishing village in Cumbria Mm. and Feathers is gone. Yeah. Lit out for the territories. Right, right. And he's taken the elephant with him. No note, no apology. No nothing. It must have been heartbreaking. And look, I don't believe Hunch was ever the same again after that. Well, he claimed that he felt freed by this, you know, that he no Mm. longer had to be held down (laughs) by this sad little boy who counted every pin. Oh, he tried to act so nonchalant, but it it was obvious. He He, was was hurting. He was hurting. He was lashing out. Yeah, yeah. He found solace in sweets, uh, toffees, Mars bars. Yes, a a long-running battle. But look, it was obvious he was spiralling and the work suffered. The work suffered, yeah. You know, without feathers there to really keep him grounded, Mm, mm, mm. he just indulged every excess. Suddenly the cast was expanding, the scripts were getting fatter, losing focus. Right, the costumes get more and more elaborate from this point. The whole concept starts to unravel. I mean, look at the Magic Wizard, for example. Right, right. What had started out as a very simple, 15-foot-tall, 90-handed, four-faced puppet. 
Right, it just creeps and creeps now until by 2002, 2003, the Magic Wizard is by now 1,000 feet tall. 1,000 feet tall. And, huh. and he had ordered duplicates. Too. He, he had ordered 1,000 more Magic Wizards. Right, so, right. you know, it was really 1,000 wizards huh. who are each 1,000 feet tall. And it's... It, it's too much. Well, you can't relate anymore. It, it, st- it, it starts to verge on the absurd, I think. In those later years. Yeah, yeah. And the venues, too. The, the, mm. You know, they had gotten bigger and bigger to the point where they're now playing stadiums. And it was... Quite, just... quite. And he, he wasn't even choosing the venues at random with pins anymore. Oh, he never wanted to see another pin. He was completely out of control. I mean, there's, what, lasers now at these shows? Yeah, lasers, jetpacks, inflatables. Right, and it's like, no, this is what you were trying to escape from, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the dung? Where's the mud? It's (sighs) all just fireworks, CGI. Right, the little wooden wagon is now selling hot dogs and the tackiest of merchandise. Yeah, You know, fireworks are going off and, you know, it's glut, this spectacle. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, the the British press weren't fooled. An empty spectacle, they called it. Uh, that's how savage they were. An empty spectacle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and look, every week, oblivious to this, is adding more and more effects. Uh, oh, more computers, more electronics. Electronics, yeah, and Feathers is long gone, so there's, there's just nothing to curtail this, this manic desire for more. <sighs> it's a disgusting failure. Disgusting failure. And- really just... Ugh. And, you know, there were also... Corrupt! You know, they, they, a, a huge artificial television screen that starts mm. to dominate the show. Held up by 5,000 Postmistress Millies. 5,000 Postmistress Millies. It's it's too much. It's too much. And, you know, all the actors by this point superseded now by giant representations mm. of themselves constructed from thousands upon thousands of television sets welded together. Yeah, yeah. Gigantic, multifaceted television monster versions of themselves. Right. All operated by yet more magic wizards. Oh, and Hoffmans. Tens of thousands yeah. of Hoffmans. Tens of thousands of Hoffmans all made out of television sets. Well... It was a statement, for sure. I mean... Yeah, well, Hunch had swallowed his own disgusting tail. That was the statement. Yeah. If you ask me. We would be remiss if we didn't briefly talk about Hunch's Mm. very public... Hunch's last episode, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. In Uh which, uh, I think in one final heart-rending twist, he realises that he's actually created almost the polar opposite of what he originally set out to achieve. Yeah, yeah. And this is at the very culmination of the stadium years. You know, Mm. famously he did, Mm -hmm. like Live Aid, it culminated in this multi-stadium show, both in England and in Britain. Yeah, but to take money from Africa. to To take money from Africa, yeah. Right, right. And by this point, the set design, the arena, I mean, sadly, it is just an actual television screen showing mm-hmm. pre-recorded episodes of Tumblers to live audiences. Uh, you know, reruns of Tumblers Willie episodes on a 4,000 foot high by 2,250 foot wide television screen. Yeah, yeah. There's no two ways about it. They are right. just watching TV. Yuck. <sighs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Yeah. And look, I think what's so upsetting for me is just, you know, this tragic moment at which Hunch, now a venerable old man of 16 years of age, yeah. 
finally realises what he's wrought and he, he runs onto the stage mm. and with the eyes of the world upon him. Right, right. I think they had like 12 billion viewers worldwide. I had 12, 13 billion. 12, 13. Yeah, he, he runs on stage and he's yelling, no, no, stop the madness. Stop the madness. It's all just television. Don't you see? It's all just fucking tele... But, you know, he... he He's a tiny, tiny little figure railing against this thing. Yeah, you know, the he's, scale. He's screaming into the electronic wind. Yeah, you can barely yeah. see him. You can't hear him. He he looks like a tiny fly dwarfed by this monstrous television screen. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he says, turn it off. Just turn the whole fucking thing off. And, you know, he, he licks the screen. Mm. The screen explodes. The screen explodes. The tube, the gigantic, the tube blows. Yeah. And yep. David Hunch instantly explodes into one million, billion, trillion, yeah. if you will, organic pixels. Yeah, yeah. What a, I mean, oof. What a way to go. What a way to go, yeah. Many of the engineers and technicians who were now running this thing behind the scenes die, unfortunately, in the blast. Yeah, which they were happy to do, of course. It would, yeah, their lives had lost all meaning, so... Uh, the crowd perished. No one saved, screamed the British press. Yeah, yeah. As the whole world looks on via what? Our inescapable friend, television. Hmm. Hmm. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. It's really just... It's, uh, it makes you think. It makes you think. It does. It, it's just... Well, love it or hate it, TV had done it again. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back next time to take another look at Tumblr's Willy. Uh, we'll be doing something just a little different in our next episode, by the way. Yeah, we'll be blowing up our own format <laughs> to take some questions from you guys. <laughs> right, but hopefully no one will die. See you next time, folks. Stay tuned, Tumbleheads. Bye. Podcast Network.